Baba Kama Daf Nun Ches. We're starting eight lines up from the bottom. Nun Zayin Amud Beis. We're analyzing the mission. Nafal Gina Venenis Mishalavas Masha Nenis. So you left your animal in a pen, and you closed the door properly. Everything seemed good. It wasn't going to fall down with the normal wind. You've done an adequate amount of protection. But then somehow there was an accident which occurred. It falls into a garden. And it starts eating from the neighbor's stuff. So what do we say? You don't have to pay for the damage because that chain of eating, that damage is something which is, uh, which is beyond what your, your garden was supposed to think of. But you do have to pay for what it benefited. And that's the idea. Sometimes even when you don't pay hezek, you have to pay for the benefit. The meal, the food, the amount that you're saving on the next meal of the animals. The Mishnah is talking about a case where it fell onto the produce, meaning to say that it was saved from injury it was a hana, it's not the amount, Rob seems to be saying, it's not the amount of food that you're saving on your next meal. You're talking about that it was saved from injury because it landed on a fruit, like a, the, it cushioned the blow, you could say. But the produce got crushed because it, it cushioned the blow. That's the scenario where you're paying machinanes. Um, you're paying the value, you know, thinking about it. what would have been had the animal got damaged. It would have you know, and, and suffered all these injuries and it would have gone to the doctor, so on and so forth. So you have hana from the, from the fruit. That's what we're talking about. So, what are you trying to imply? If it ate the produce, you don't even have to pay uh, for what it ate. What, you'd be totally exempt? Why, why does that make sense? Why, why would you say, I only have to pay for the hana that I got from the fruit from cushioning its blow, but not the hana that I got from the fruit from... Um, from eating it. Well, 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 what's the difference? So the Gemara explains what? We're saying Rav is consistent with what he says elsewhere. Rav said, we learned about this a little bit, is that let's say an animal eats someone else's fruit. The owner of the fruit, and it comes in and it starts eating fruit and it got sick. So the owner of the, fruit, of the food is not liable because he says, well, what business did it have eating it? Meaning you have no reason for it to, for it to eat it. Somebody, let's say, put a produce in his friend's yard without permission. It harms an animal. So, so, so if it harms it by slip, the animal slipped on it, the owner of the fruit obviously would be liable. But Rob says that if it harmed it because it ate, then it's not liable. As we say, the animal should not have eaten it. So therefore, what the Gemara is trying to say is that in our case also, we say that the owner, uh, the owner of the animal shouldn't be, shouldn't be liable for the, for the eating of the produce of the garden because we say that he shouldn't, he shouldn't think his animal should eat. It shouldn't have eaten. For the Gemara says, obviously it's ridiculous. It shouldn't have eaten. What's the comparison? There, where the fruit damaged the animal, the owner of the fruit can claim it shouldn't have eaten and, 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 and therefore when you're animal went ahead and ate and got damaged, I'm not going to pay it. The owner of the produce say, I'm not paying for the harm that came to your animal because it shouldn't have eaten it. But in regard to where the damage, the animal damages other people by its eating. Here, I ate the animal. The animal caused loss to the owner of the fruit by eating its fruit. You're trying to exempt the animal's owner. Me, Omar, would Rob say this? Meaning, think about how ridiculous this is. The owner, the owner of the fruit here lost his fruit. He lost all his apples. Why? Because the animal ate them. So the owner of the fruit comes over to the, to the owner of the animal. He says, um, pay me at least, it's at least what you save for the next meal. He says, no, I'm not paying you because my animal shouldn't have eaten. Well, what does that even mean? Hello, is an argument that if the fruit caused damage to the animal, then he could say, I'm not chive because your owner, when your animal ate, who said, who told it to eat? But the other way around, we're talking about the loss to the owner of the fruit. Of course, the owner of the animal should be paying for what his animal benefited. So let's go over now. We're going to 
start again. What's happening over here? The mid, you, you guarded properly the animal to get out. The animal still accidentally fell into the garden and it starts eating fruit. What should the halacha be? L'chaira, of course, the owner of the animal should have to pay at least for the hana that he received from the, from the fruit. So why is Rav saying that the mission is talking about a case that you're benefiting from the fruit only from the cushioning of the flow, implying that the benefit, if it ate the fruit, that it wouldn't pay? Of course, it's just to pay for that. So the Gemara, therefore, has to reinterpret what Rav meant. Ella, rather. Lomi bai kama. Rav was saying a style of not only this, but even this. Lomi bai achlav. Not only where it ate the produce. Of course, where it ate the produce, it has to pay for the benefit. Of course, the animal, the owner of the animal is liable to the owner of the fruit for paying for the hana that it received from the eating of the fruit. But even in a case where it got struck by the fruit, meaning it cushioned this blow on the fruit and it saved from injury, even in that case, you have to pay for what is benefited. Rav wasn't saying only in that case, the opposite. Rav was saying even in that case. So now we're going to work the other way. Even in the case where it didn't eat the fruit, but it cushioned its blow on the fruit and it benefited the now it didn't get injured, even in that case, the owner of the animal has to pay the owner of the fruit for the hana that it receives. Why is that case a bigger chedesh? Ema, I would argue, I would say that it's like someone who chases a lion away from his from someone else's property. Meaning, what's the halacha? Let's say I see a lion trying to eat your fruit, right? And I chase it away. What am I doing? I'm doing a big mitzvah. What am I doing? I'm saving, I'm saving, I'm saving stuff from damage, right? That's what I'm doing. So if that's happening over here, the owner of the fruit, if you think about it, he might be totally passive. He's, he's lying in bed, but he, he's doing a mitzvah with his fruit. What's he doing? He's cushioning the blow against his friend's animal. So he's doing a mitzvah and therefore, so the owner of the animal shouldn't have to pay for the, for, for, for the benefit that came to him from his animal being saved. What the Gemara's argument is being made is that you have an obligation to try to help. So when my animal is falling by a fluke into your yard, your fruit is actually kind of obligated to help my animal cushion its blow. So that, because it's a mitzvah, you're doing a mitzvah for protecting my, pro- my property. So therefore, I should have to pay you for what the benefit happens if you're doing a mitzvah. Meaning if my animal starts eating fruit, I'm not doing, your fruit is not doing a mitzvah. It doesn't have to supply my animal with its next meal. Okay, so then I'll pay Misham's Mashanenis. But here where, where my animal would get hurt, by landing, the impact would hurt it. And your fruit is cushioning its blow. So what are you really doing in that moment? You're doing what you need to do. You're doing my if you're stepping up or you need to step up. So maybe, therefore, I'm not obligated to pay you for the hana. Kamash no, I still have to pay you the amount of the hana. Yes, it's true. Maybe you're doing a nice your, your fruit is doing a nice thing. It's 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 helping me. But at the end of the day, I am um, causing a loss to your fruit. And I have to pay you at least for the benefit that I receive. Says the Konami, how do we know, Taka? Maybe you should be potter if the, the, the this case it was it breaks its fall by the produce. Maybe 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 the owner cannot demand reimbursement because Hagufa, he's if he's stepping up and doing a mitzvah. So the Gemara says there's a big difference. Uh, there you choose, it's something that you do you choose to do knowingly. Here the owner of the garden, he doesn't know it, right? He's sleeping in bed. Does he know that his produce happens to be saving his friend's his friend's animal? He doesn't know anything. So he's not doing anything. And since he's not doing anything, the uptight in the Maisa is not that he's doing a Maisa of, of a mitzvah here. It sounds like in the Gemara, like if you would know you're doing a mitzvah and you step up and you save 
then you can't come and send me a bill afterwards. Because, no, what do you mean? You, you did a mitzvah for me. I, you don't come charge me for it afterwards. But here with the owner sleeping in bed, and he doesn't know, he's completely unaware that his fruit is saving someone else's animal, then the, the owner of the fruit could send the guy the bill and say, listen, at the end of the day, uh, you benefited from my fruit. You owe me money. There, normally, when I'm doing the mitzvah, I chase the lion away. I'm not suffering a loss. Maybe it's a loss of time, but I'm not suffering a loss, right? What do I do? I take my stick and I chase the lion away. It's interesting. Who knows? I don't know if it's so safe to, yeah, to start getting involved. But okay, you take your stick, you chase the lion away, you've done good, but you didn't suffer any losses. How you slip Seda? In our case, you suffer a loss, right? What's the case? You're saving your friend's animal from the impact with your fruit, but that ruins your fruit. So therefore you could send them a bill, even though you're doing the mitzvah. So in the second approach to the Gemara, even if it would be active, but if you get a loss through doing the mitzvah of saving your friend, you're able to, uh, to you're, you are able to send them a bill afterwards and say, listen, at least pay for the value that you benefited. So let's make a, a recap over here. Over here, where you, you, where you did watch your animal properly and it still somehow ate from the friend's yard. What's the halacha? Of course, you're still going to pay for the value of the hana. Rav is adding that even if you get a hana in a different way, through rooting your friend's fruit, it cushions the blow against your animal. You still have to pay for the hana, even though your friend's fruit was kind of stepping up and saving my animal, you could still, uh, you're still liable to pay for the amount of the hana. That was Rav's chiddush. All right. Now the Gemara says, hey, how exactly did it fall? I mean, again, you, 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 you did protect the animal from getting out. You had, a, you had a fence around. So how exactly did it happen that it fell into the garden? So Rav Kahana, Amar Shukla the case is that it slipped on its urine. Meaning, let's say it's walking on a, on a street next to the garden. It slips on urine and falls and falls that way. So that's the shot. It's, it's something totally unexpected. It's not something you have to guard from. And that's why you're not playing, paying for the hezek. You know, I have to make sure my animal doesn't wander off into your field. But if it slips on the urine and falls in, that's unavoidable. That's unexpected. That's why I don't have to pay for the hezek. I'm only paying for the hana. Or another animal pushed it, meaning I'm walking two of my oxen out in the street, and one ox pushed another ox in, into the garden. And that also I don't have to expect. So the Gemara says, the one who said that another animal pushed it, and if they're on potter, certainly on potter if it slipped on its urine. But the one who said that it slipped on its urine, only that case is considered unavoidable. But if one, one of my animals pushes another animal in, that's negligence. Why is that negligence? The owner of the garden says, you should have let the animals one by one. In other words, if, I, if you would have let it right next to my garden one by one, then it wouldn't have happened. Now that you let it two by two, one of your animals Animals pushes another animal, so that is considered negligence for crossing them two by two. So that's just discussing in what way is it negligent or not uh, caught when, when this animal somehow ends up in the garden but not wandering off on its own. All right, so now what have you said? We said that if it eats produce in the garden, the owner is only liable for what it benefited, not for what it damaged, because we're talking whatever the case was, or it wasn't negligent in it coming into the field. So the Gemara says, that's only true for the first row where it falls, meaning the Mishnah is saying immediately after it fell, the animal starts, ooh, I see apples, it starts eating apples. But, but that's not a free pass, right? The owner should be somewhat around and guided outside. The first row, you can understand that immediate thing he can't protect from. If it goes from one row to and then starts going to another row and starts eating, it has to pay for what is damaged because certainly you there, there to that extent, that's negligence. You should watch your animal from doing that. Even if it goes from one row to another, even if it does it all day long, you only have to pay for the value of what the benefit. He's saying that it's not considered negligence. And why? That's very hard to understand. Why is it not negligence? So some of you should saying he may have been scared to enter the owner's property. Right? It is trespassing. Even though it's your animal that's in your friend's yard. So if 
normally the regular case for your hive and chain is protect your animal from going into your front yard. That's normally the gufa is the liability. You're negligent for allowing it to go into the yard. But here, remember, you weren't negligent for that, right? It slipped on its urine or was pushed inside. So you're not negligent. You guard. You were guarding well. So now, Rabbi Yochanan's point is, is that even if it starts eating more, you're not, that's not considered a negligence. You're only going to pay for what it benefited, not for what it damaged. Odd, unless, unless it goes out, it leaves the garden, and then it goes in with the owner's knowledge. Says the It doesn't mean it left with the owner's knowledge, and then it also returned with his knowledge. It doesn't have to be so strong. Once it left, and the owner knew it left, meaning... Uh, at that point, you're liable for any subsequent uh, damage. My time off, what is the reason? Once he guarded it, he's now liable. Once, it, once you realize that, 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 that there's food that's still, that, that's still in my garden, you know it's going to escape and try to run there. Meaning, it knows once it leaves, the owner should know that the animal is aware that there's food in the garden. So it's obviously going to try to go back there. So therefore, even if you didn't know that it's gonna that it went back, you should expect that it, it might try to run back. And therefore, you're negligent for not protecting it from going back. All right. Now, uh, we go to the regular case in the Mishnah. If it goes down to the garden in the regular way and does damage, you pay full damage, right? Why? Because prevent it from going into the garden. That's textbook shame. You protect it from going in. If you don't protect it from going in, you have to pay, you have to pay the full damage. What if it goes down to the garden regularly, but it ends up that it doesn't eat the fruit and cause damage, but cause damage in a different way. And there, there's water. You know, the, the, it gives birth in the garden and there's water that comes out of, that comes out uh, you know, like the you know, like we say, the water breaking, right? That whole thing in the birthing process. So it dirties the fruit in that way. So if it would eat the fruit, that would be super normal. But no, what happened is some freak accident where it starts giving birth and the water damages the fruit. So the, basically, you were negligent, but an onus ended up happening. So I leave it. Remember, we have a general question in Baba Kama. If I'm first negligent, but then from that negligence ends up coming an onus, what's the law? If I hold like him on the Rechayev, then there's no question. Once I'm negligent for allowing the animal to go in, I have to pay for anything that happens. When do you wonder? I leave it. According to my Adamar, that in such a case, an onus as it happens after your poishea, your potter, my, what's the halacha? Me, I'm going to do, we say, kilos of shiva, sofa, onus, potter. Hey, that's exactly what this is. It's an onus that occurs after Ipshia and your potter. Oh, Dilma, maybe we say, it's actually one big negligence. Why? Obviously, you see, you know the animal is super pregnant, right? You see it's close to giving birth. You should have watched it and been more careful with it. Meaning, yes, it's true. Giving birth is not normal. But you should realize that your particular animal might be about to give birth. So therefore, not protecting it from, from, from going into your friend's yard and giving birth there is not an onus that occurs. It's not, I was negligent that it might eat, but an onus occurred cloppy the birth. No, the birth itself is considered negligence because you're right aware that the animal is about to give birth. So the Gemara says, take it, we don't resolve that question. If the animal gives birth in its friend's yard, whether or not the birthing water is to ruin the fruits, if the owner has to pay. All right, now we're going to move on to a new thing here. What did the Mishnah say? This is a, uh, a sugyo here, in Baba Kama, Chashav a sugyo, that when, when it did, when I was negligent and I'm paying for damages, I don't just say, how, how do I assess the damage? I don't say, oh, it ate five fruits. How much is five fruits in the market? I don't say that. I say, how much would the, would it reduce the price of a base saw? So what exactly does that mean? In other words, I look at it <coughs> relative to the loss in the land. So I say, in an area of a base saw, which means an area of land that can produce a saw of grain, how much would it be worth with all the fruits still intact? And how much would it be worth minus the fruits that the animal, that the animal ate? That's the amount that you pay. So obviously that's worth a lot less 
that amount you get off, it's a better payment plan to pay that than to pay the market value of five fruits. Market value of five fruits is much higher than the distinction, the discrepancy in the land before and uh, that would produce a base saw and before and after um, that amount of fruits were eaten. So the Lord says, how do I know that I'm so makele on the mazik that he pays only in that way? The Pasik says, and he eats, it consumes in the field of another. What does that mean? It consumes in a field of another. It means you evaluate the damage relative to a larger field. That we're coming from the, we're, we're, it could have just said, consumed in a field. What is it saying? It's saying, don't appraise the damage by itself, but make it compare it to, relative to another field. That's how we say, relative to a field that's the size of a base saw, that would, a field that would produce a saw of grain, how much would that field go down if that amount of fruit was eaten off of it? That's the Pasuk is teaching us by saying Acher. Says the Gemara, you're making too big of a drasha out of it. Acher is just saying that it's only a private yard, but not if it eats in a public domain. Remember, Shane versus Harabim is Potter. That's what the Torah is saying by saying Acher. Says the Gemara, if that's all it was saying, could have said he ate in the field of his friend. Without the base. Could have just said field of another. My biste Acher. What does it mean in the field of another? Shaman Algav saw the Acher is telling us as well that we value the damage relative to another larger field. Okay, so the Gemara says, so maybe that's all it's coming to say, is that the damages are appraised relative to another field. How do we know that they, in fact also we excluded if it ate fruit in the street? Because if it was only coming about the assessment of damages, the Torah would have written this about the part of the Pasuk that speaks about when you pay. It said it said the best of his field, the choice of the vineyard, he should pay in the field of another. It should have spoken out in the payment plan that the payment plan is assessed relative to another field. Why is the Torah writing by the damage? We see both things. We see not only is the damage appraised relative to another field, but also that Shane Varegal are not liable in the street. So two dinim we learn from Ubiar Bistacher. Number one, you only pay in a private field, but you don't pay if your animal ate the fruits off the street. But number two, this big Yisoyed, how do you appraise the damages? How do you assess how much damage was done? Not by the market value of the produce that it ate, but rather you compare those five fruits that it ate, how much would that have brought down a, 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 another field that, that produces a saw? How much would that field have gone down if that amount of produce was eaten off of it? So obviously that's a much smaller amount of money that the mazik's actually going to pay. So now the Gemara says, hey, Cheshaminan, how do you evaluate the base saw itself? So what's exactly the question? So let's just understand, a base saw is a small area that usually is not sold by itself. Think about it. It's a saw of grain is not, you know, it's like a field that would produce a saw. How big do you think that field is? So it's a field which is not normally going to be sold. And what's the reason? Because a, 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 if you're a regular person with cash, then you're going to try to buy a bigger plot. And if you're a really poor person who cannot afford that, then you're going to want small little, you know, things of land. So basically, what does that mean? that only the poor are going to want to try to buy that. But regular people are not going to have an interest in buying a plot that is only going to be able to make one saw. So a base saw on the market value basically has low... Um, it's, it's not, it, uh, the poor people are going, are specifically going to want it. So, but the point that we're making, and if, if you have a low supply and a high demand for a base saw, it's going to get a high price. So let's just understand a little bit better. It seems that I don't know exactly why it is like this in the market. It seems that the, the fact that all the poor people are going to want that, but most people 
with it would want more. I get a little bit confused about this. I would think the price would go down. It seems like the Gemara actually drives the price up. The fact that the poor people want it makes it's it like go up. It's like a wholesale box with, you know, it says not to be sold individually. Uh-huh. There's more Interesting. So basically, there's going to be more demand for the base saw. Okay. Boy, all the poor guys want it. There's going to be more demand. Therefore, what the Gemara is arguing is that it's actually not so fair to do that. It's not so fair to say how much would this bring down in a price of a base saw. Because a base saw, such a field by itself, is always an inflated price. It's like selling p- slices of pizza on Saturday night versus pies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Very good. So therefore... Therefore, what we're saying is there should be a first, like, a background to how you assess the value of a base saw. In other words, the Gemara is coming in and saying, don't just say how much would the produce bring down, how much would the distinction in the field of a base saw be worth? Because the base saw itself, the market of a base saw, is a higher price than what we should be looking at. So therefore, there's got to be a little bit of background here. So what's the background? It's saw bishishim saw. It's a base saw relative to 60 base saw. So there's a back, there's a first calculation. How, what's the value of a base saw? So first, what is a 60th of 60 base saw? So in other words, think about a, a nice big chunk of land that can make 60 saw of grain grow on it and say that's a normal market value. Geschmack, we can determine based upon the market how much a piece of land that produces 60 base saw is worth. A 60th of that value is the value of a base saw. And then we say how much from that 60th of value would, would such a chunk of land go down uh, before and after the produce. So it's just, you know, you want to get like an, an economics here. So you say an example would be a base saw would be 15, 15, uh, 15 coins to get a base saw. But if you're selling 60 base saw you, uh, together, you would, it would be 600 600 coins. So a 60th would only be 10 coins. So if you're buying a saw, a base saw alone, it would be 15. But if I'm if I want to know the value of the base saw, I don't say it's 15. I say it's a 60. It's a 60th of what of what 60 saw would be. A 60 saw thing would be 600 coins. So it would only be 10 per saw. So now I say 10 per saw, and assuming that's the background information, the adjusted price for what a base saw is, now I assess what the damage uh, would have done to the value of such a field. That's, so there's like two different assessments that I make. First, I have to assess what the true value of a base saw is, not the base saw in the market, but really the 60th of 60 saw in the market. And then I apply my thing and say, what would the damage have done to such a field? Now, you might wonder then, so why do you mention a base saw? Why don't Frech Rashi, why don't we say that you, you deduct it from the price of a field that measures 60 base saw? Why do I need the two steps? Why do I say Shum and Agav base saw? So the answer is, in a, 60 field, in a, in a field that, is six, that produces 60 base saw, eating five fruits would have probably made it go down very, like a penny because it's so big, so therefore relative to that is nothing. So I have to thread the needle and say, no, relative to a field, but that produces a saw. But the worst point was this, is that what is the value of a field that's a base saw? It's not really a true fair price. So what you have to do first is figure out a base saw is a 60th of fields that are 60 saw. Then I get the true price of a base saw. Then I put the produce. I got that. It's a, it's a, it's a base tarkov, which is half a base saw relative to 60 base tarkov, which is 30 base saw. So he's saying the same thing just in a half. The point is, there's also two calculations, but he's saying if you would start with 60 base saw, should not, shouldn't be that way. Why? He holds 60 base saw. No one ever, no one ever, it's too large for a regular person. And if you're like buying up the world, it's it's not small. So actually not so many people are interested in a field of that size and the price is relatively low. 
So if you would start by buying, it's like too, it's inflated the other way. I mean, it's inflated too, too low. I'm sorry, whatever, deflated too low. So he's saying that's also not going to be far, fair market value. The real fair market value is 30 saw. So that's what he says. First, you get your value, see the price of what, what a 30 base saw field is. You buy that in 60, and then you get the value of what a half saw field, half saw would be, what half saw field would be. And then double that, and that will give you the value, the true value of base saw. So it's more complicated to get a base saw, according to the second opinion. What you have to do is you have to see the fair market value of 30 saw. Divide that in 60 parts, you'll see the value of a half a saw. Double that, now you'll know the value of a saw. Now, then you put the damage. What would that have affected in that in that field? If you wanted, like you know, the example for that, we said like that example before. Sixty base saw would be like six hundred coins, but the th- one of thirty would be like three hundred and sixty gold coins. You know, it's not perfect. It's not three hundred because that's like the re- so we're saying the real accurate market value is in that is in the half. When I buy thirty, it would be three hundred sixty, not. Not, not, not the 300. So then I would take the 360, divide that in 60 parts, um, and then I would, um, and that would be six, and then, and then I'll, that's, that's for half a saw, and I double it, and I know that one base saw is worth 12. So that's the difference in the, in the opinions in the economics. Again, just working arbitrarily with numbers. Assuming 60 base saw costs 600, 30 base saw costs 360. So now how much is one base saw worth? So like the first opinion was saying, okay, one base saw is 10. So you but the second opinion is going to say it's 12 because it's 360 divided by, by 60. So it's six for half for half a saw. And I double that. Oh, one base saw is actually worth 12. That's, that's, that's what he's bringing out. You're making this way too complicated. You know what you actually, the Mishnah is saying, is that a stock you view in relation to 60 stocks. When he's saying, is that when, when the Mishnah was saying big saw, what in the world is going on? He was just saying it's a deduction from a price of land 60 times larger than the area which is destroyed. So if an animal is eating an amount of stocks, so it's compensated based upon the price of a field in which 60 times that amount of stocks is growing. So if let's say... It eats 100 stalks of grain. So you say a field that has 6,000 stalks of grain, how much uh, would it go down if it had eaten 100? That's the point. You don't evaluate the market value of 100, but you say if it would be a field that's 60 times the amount that, that it damaged, how much would it go down? So, to, so according to this, this last opinion, the third opinion, you don't have to make two assessments. The Mishnah was never saying specific to a field that's worth a base saw, how much would it have gone down? The Mishnah was making a, a much simpler point according to Chizkiah. You look at the amount that it ate, then you time 60 of that. If it ate 100 stocks, you need a field that would make 6,000 stocks and say, in that field, how much would 100 stocks have brought, have brought the value down? So it says, we have a cost from the price. If the animal eats a cow or two cows of produce, we don't say pay their value. We don't say the value, you know, in the market of that amount of grain. We view the produce like it's like a small, on a small piece of land. And we evaluate it. So we, we we look at it like it's like it's 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 on the ground and it, and it, and you pay the difference of what it affected the land. So it sounds like we're evaluating the plot by itself. It doesn't say it's like assessed agav if it was part of a bigger field. So it sounds like it's really against everybody. So then really even against the Mishnah, the Mishnah seems to say that you assess it agav a bigger field. So the Mar says It could mean that a relative in the in, in one in sixty, even though it didn't say that. But its point that was it was just saying is that don't look at the market value. You put it into the field and. When I put it into the field, in a Hanami, I put it into a larger field 60 times. And again, each opinion will say how you put that 60. 
Now we look at a bride says, a very cryptic bride says that we'll interpret. You don't evaluate a calf because it benefits him. Below base core, and you don't evaluate a base core with Nation Pogum because it, 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 it takes away from him. My Kaamar, what in the world is the bride saying? You don't evaluate a calf relative to 60 calves because then it would, it would benefit the mazik. So meaning we're assuming like the Mishnah that it's not the area is not appraised on its own, but it's it's a, it's a deduction of a price of a larger field. So now we're discussing how large that other field should be. So if it ate a kav of produce, so it shouldn't be sixty times larger a field that makes sixty kavs. Why? Because it's going to benefit the mazik the mazik too much. Why is it going to benefit the mazik too much? Because if a field that has sixty kavs is very cheap, it's difficult to sell. Again, it's too large for poor people and it's too small for other people. So since it's so cheap, so then the discount's going to end up being small. So if it ate a kav, you're not going to say just go to a field that makes 60 calves and see how much it, it would go down. For low core, we don't evaluate a core. If it ate a core, you're not going to say how much would a core bring down a field that makes 60 cores? There it's actually going to hurt the mazik. Meaning if it ate a core, which is 30 saw, so then you want to know how much would it deduct from the price of a field that makes 60 core? That would be too bad for the mazik because it's it's a crazy huge piece of land that's rarely put up for sale. And therefore, when a wealthy guy sees it, he would actually pay more than it's like what it was. So a 60 core thing actually has an inflated price. So that wouldn't be fair. So why did it switch to the law show and if it ate a cob, don't pay a cob? Why didn't it say, and if it ate a core, don't pay a core? It, it said below base core. Why'd you switch to base core? This is what it's saying. You don't assess the, the kav on its own. Meaning you don't say if it ate a kav, pay a kav in market value. That, that profits in nizik. And we don't, and rather, what's the point? You assess it relative to a piece of land. But relative to what size piece of land? You don't assess how much a kav would bring down a base core. That would take away from the nizik. Because if I take a copper produce from a base core, it's barely noticeable. So therefore, it's, it's barely getting the nizik anything. Base core is huge. So if I say how much a cop takes away from base nizik, very little. Ella bishishim, you evaluate the cop relative to a field 60 times larger than the amount, than the field that, that where the damage occurred. So this is the opinion of like Chizkia. That's Chizkia's opinion. So if it ate 100 stocks, so I say, okay, 60 times that, 6,000 stocks. How big is a field that need to be that makes 6,000 stocks? And then assess in such a field, how much would a hundred stocks bring it bring it down? So that's like the last opinion of Chizkia. So bottom line is, we know you don't pay the market value of what it damaged. That's for sure. We know it's assessed ag of the field. That's for sure. How much would it reduce in the price of the field? But what field? So the last opinion, Chizkia, I think is the simplest opinion. The field that would produce 60 times the amount of what was depleted. That's Chizkia's opinion. But the other opinion is a saying in the field, first we have to determine that is a base saw. But how do I determine what is a field that is a base saw? So that was the first two opinions. Either 60 then divided... <laughs> 60 times base saw, then divided in 60, or uh, 30 saw, divided in 60, and then double. Says the Gemara story. There was a person who cut down his friend's palm tree. Also, he came in front of the Rishkalusa to get judged. So, this is regular damage, not an animal damaging. A person stopped He chopped down a tree. So, the Rishkalusa said, I saw the tree that was cut down. It was one of three palm trees that were right there. In other words, it was like three palm trees all, all, all in one spot. Together, they were worth 100 zuz. So, how much did you pay for one? Go pay 33 and a third zuz. Meaning, very simple. We know three together is worth 100, so a third is 33. So Amar, Why did I go to the Rish Kalusa? This is Persian law. What does he mean to say? That's not halacha. 
So as comes to me, I'm Why? Because the tree should be evaluated in relation to 60 trees. Meaning, he made me pay way too much. He made me pay the market value of the tree. I shouldn't pay the market value of the tree. It should be in a field that had a tree. How much would the field be worth less if the tree was cut down? Isn't that the whole kula that we're learning? You don't pay the market value of what you damage, but rather relative to the field that was on, how much the field would be worth less afterwards? So I'm like, Rav, Rav said, what are you talking about? The whole kula, that's where your animal ate fruit. Where your animal damaged, you don't pay the market value of what it damaged, but rather you pay it relative to the field, how much it would go down. Is the same thing apply where the person does damage? Where a person chops down a tree? Of course, it's done. You pay market value. Done. How much is the tree worth? You don't say it's agav the field. The whole idea of being Agav, the field, is only a special kula, which is said by when an animal does damage. So that's where we're going to stop here for today. The Gemara is going to launch into a whole machlok as back and forth trying to prove it. But we know when an animal does damage, you don't pay the market value of the fruit. You pay the reduction in a field. What field? Is it a field 60 times more than the, the damage that it produced? Or the other ones uh, in, a, in a field that makes a base saw? It's complicated how you get the, the, the value of a base saw. But there's a machlokis. When a person does damage, does he just pay the market value? Or also, do we have this kula that he pays relative to the uh, reduction in the price of the field where the damage was done?